The first known use of the word hymnal was in the 1500s, which makes sense for several reasons. One, Reformation. Hmm. The Reformation encouraged people to move from, I saw this great word, I'm going to start using it, pupitatoes. <laughs> I saw this in an article and I was like, it's mine now. Um, so they moved from like pupitatoes to active participants in mm-hmm. worship. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Him Partial, the podcast where we talk all things church music. I'm Monet Funka. And I'm Cara Peregrino and we are in 2023, people. Why are you still using hymn books? It's a good question. And um, today we will be looking at why we have hymn books in the first place, why we should consider holding on to them or not, and how we actually decide between the literally thousands of options out there. Yes, but first, you know the drill. Go ahead and do all the liking and subscribing and leaving five-star reviews and all of those things. Share your favorite episode with your family, friends, and all 12 of your Twitter followers. You can join the Hemp Partial family also at HempPartial.com. There you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Newsletter subscribers get exclusive first access to all of our bonus content as well as being the first people to hear all of our exciting news. This week in our bonus clip, we will be sharing the story of the first book ever printed in North America and why it was a bit of a flop. I promise it's relevant to the topic. It is. Um, That's right. And it's all good stuff. We work hard to bring you good content and there's so much that we really want to do that we think would be really helpful and encouraging to you. But the only free thing in life is salvation. So (laughs) if you want to help us bring you better (laughs) and better content, maybe even some merch, head over to ko-fi.com forward slash impartial where you can support us for as little as three pounds a month. That's like, what, four dollars? Something like that. That's supposed to be the same as a cup of coffee, but I reckon coffee probably costs more than that now. So it's a bargain for you and you can't tell us we don't love you. It's true. It's true. We do love you. And we actually had a whole long thing where we were planning for this year and next season. And we were like, we want to bring you guys so much content, but we need the dollar dollar bills. Yeah. Or the poundy, poundy pounds, as we say. (laughs) The quitty, quitty, quitty. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, we have so many things we really want to do, and they are like so cool. Maybe if we just like told people what we wanted to do, they'd be like, maybe we'll have an OTR of all the things we want to do on the show, but that we need sponsorship for. Yes. Things that I think you would totally love. Like, I think it would just be like really exciting for us and Mm -hmm. also for y'all. Yeah. But. Yeah. And also sometimes you guys are like, oh, you should do an episode on this. And we're like, yeah, we should. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, if you want to sponsor an episode, we're not going to say no. We're not, we're not going to say no. Anyway, today we're talking about hymnals, uh, specifically papery ones. And mm-hmm. should we keep them? It's 2023. I don't know. So I had actually totally forgotten until I sat down to write this episode that we did an episode way back when, which was about hymns. Mm-hmm. Like all our episodes are about hymns, but this one was about what hymns are mm-hmm. and why we have them and stuff. Um, that's worth checking out if you haven't. Yes. So a hymnal is basically a collection of hymns. Surprise! <laughs> it's usually printed on paper and bound, but in this age of tech, you can get apps and eBooks and all sorts of digital versions of stuff. Things we have. Mm. There are literally thousands of hymn books in English alone. So I looked them up on Amazon. I got over 50,000 results. Wow. Ranging in price from 10 pence <laughs> plus 280 shipping, which I think is outrageous. Yeah. 
Um, right so much up, you go to jail for that. To, yeah, right up to, well, when the next one gets free shipping, <laughs> £1,146, but it had free delivery, so... But that kind of makes sense to me. I know that sounds biased, but there are hymn there are hymnals that are rare and special. Yes, and it so, was a rare special. Yeah, one. it's just like any book. Or it better be a rare special one at that price. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but hey, free shipping. Yeah. Um, there are also like a whole host of apps now. I quickly went on the Google Apps thing and just typed in like hymnal, hymny, mm-hmm. hymn, hymny thing. Um. <laughs> And um, there, are, there are a lot. They've got varying yeah. quality, varying mm-hmm. features, varying price tags. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there are a lot out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're talking about in this episode is largely the printed versions. After all, like I said, it's 2023, people. What's <laughs> with using paper? You're killing the trees. Ugh. God, what's wrong with you? Get with it. Yeah, man. This is me, a uh, semi-millennial, being like... Yeah, yeah, I'm so cool. I care about the environment. Anyway, back to hymnals. Because I'm sorry. I'm like loopy today. I don't know what's wrong with me. No, it's good. The first known use of the word hymnal was in the 1500s, which makes sense for several reasons. One, Reformation. Hmm. The Reformation encouraged people to move from, I saw this great word. I'm going to start using it. Pew potatoes. <laughs> I saw this in an article and I was like, it's mine now. Um, so they moved from like pew potatoes to active participants in Mm -hmm, worship mm -hmm. Um, another reason is it did that the reformation encouraged that by encouraging people to sing congregationally Um, and then thirdly Gutenberg's movable type was in the process of changing the face of the printing world Um, I was just going to say Gutenberg need I say more and then I realized that yes I need to say more because (laughs) (laughs) not everyone is like a complete weirdo like me when it comes to publishing and it's just really interesting things Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. so um, the Gutenberg press they didn't have to, he, he invented this thing where you could just have all the individual letters and set out a page at a time mm-hmm. instead of having to carve the whole page backwards, by the way, so that it printed the right way around into a block of wood and then stamp it on paper. Mm-hmm. So it was just faster, more efficient. You could print more, you could print cheaper, you could get everything out there. Change the publishing world. This is totally in aside and we could cut this out. We haven't had any of those yet. No, we haven't had one. But um, our friend was over and he's in publishing and he uh, made us watch this short documentary. It's on YouTube and it was about the last, the last print run of, I want to say it was the New York Times Mm. um, before they switched over to digital it was like the old system where they literally had to make like a cast of yes. the thing out of metal. Yes. And like they like slotted it in to like a, a, like a little like newspaper sized yeah. box and then they would like print a sheet of it. Like it's crazy. Like they would literally have to cut words off. Like it was like you had to fit your, your whole story yes. in that little tiny thing yeah. or else... They would like have to chop the thing. They and have then, to cut your, yeah. cut your stuff up. Yeah. I mean, the printing world, absolutely fascinating. Even digital printing now, there's more than one way to do it. Yeah. Anyway, Gutenberg at the time was revolutionizing the place. It made hymn books, you know, you want to you wanna do a print run of like a thousand books, which was a lot at that time because nobody <clears throat> could afford books. Yeah. It was so much easier. Um, and so it was easier to buy like a hundred books for your congregation because... It's easier to print, cheaper mm-hmm. to print now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, 
Obviously, people wrote hymns since the dawn of the church, mm-hmm. but collecting them, printing them, and binding them was a new thing around about the Reformation. Mm-hmm. So, in the early days, they were largely psalters because they were more psalmsy rather than hymnals. But the idea took off pretty quickly and soon became quite a common thing in churches, um, particularly Protestant churches. Mm-hmm. I think the simultaneous cultural shifts towards educating people more contributed to because mm. um, there's no point in printing hymn books for a church that's illiterate. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't just about bringing worship into people's own language. There was also a move to teach more people to read and write so that they could access things like the Bible themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that just all these things coming together at the time allowed hymn books and psalters and stuff to really kick off. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas largely previously songs were kind of just passed down by word of mouth. You just learn stuff from yeah. your parents and grandparents you and stuff. It. Yeah. And then, of course, our old friend Isaac Watts turned up in the 1700s and he helped kick off hymnody in the UK. Mm-hmm. And so you start to get combined psalters and hymnals, and then the psalters gradually kind of just eke out. <laughs> yeah. And it's just hymnals. Yeah. I'm for combined. But, mm-hmm. but just saying that was the kind of history kind of trend. So, what? What's this got to do with anything? <laughs> Why are we doing this episode? <laughs> We're not, it's not because we've just run out of ideas. It's actually because it turns out that it's one of those weird subjects that you think, so what? And then you start thinking about it and you realize that people actually feel really, really strongly about this. Yep. Do we keep our paper hymn books or is it time to get with the modern world and, I don't know, install that projector or something? Or, I mean, like, even if it's a digital hymn book, like, why use a hymn book when you could just make... Make your own collection of things. Have your phones in church, Monet. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like a lot of churches don't have uh, a, a restriction, even if they do use a hymnal. Like they'll say, "Sorry, am I skipping ahead?" No, you're. I won't just finish your thought. We'll, I just we'll get to what we get to. <laughs> I think a lot of churches they'll be like, "Oh, okay, yeah, this is our hymnal," but this song that's not included in the hymnal could be old or new. We're going to sing this extra song. Here's a bit of paper. Or we base all of our projector whatever songs on this hymnal. And then, like, there's a special week. We're going to have this other song. Yes, they do. Yeah. So, I mean, like, even churches that have hymnals don't necessarily only have hymnals. Yes. So, yes, that's true. And we will... Talk around that a little. Sorry. No, it's fine. I was actually <laughs> going to ask you, do you have a preference for hymn books or no hymn books? I don't have a preference. I could probably argue for having a hymn book more than I could argue for not having a hymn book. Because hmm. I think that a lot of churches are um, quite content with caring very little about music. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, yes, we have opinions about music, like what type of style or whatever, like, you know, we want to go with the trends. Yeah. But I mean, like, thinking critically about the content of the yeah. hymn. Do you want to do my episode for me? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think no, you're right. No, no, I think That's you're, just my thoughts. <laughs> I think you're right. Um, I was kind of like... <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> no, you're not in trouble. <laughs> I, I won't discipline her on camera. <laughs> um, no, I think you're right. And I, I think as you'll discover as we go through this, you kind of mm. just cut to the heart of the issue. Mm. Okay. Um, Sorry. 
Spoiler. I don't have a preference. I like my paper hymn book. Mm. But there's also I don't have a problem with the projector. Mm. It's not not an issue to me. Um but the the reasons behind it all and the arguments behind it all are very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um and you might have a strong opinion right now and might find your challenging thinking th- you're thinking you're thinking challenged. Yes. Or you might just be like, I don't care and get to the end of the episode and be like, that's <laughs> Tell me the Half answer. Half an hour of my life, I never get Tell back. Tell me the answer. But so there, there are a number of reasons why we should consider keeping hymnals, paper hymnals, in congregational worship. Mm-hmm. And like with when we talked about exclusive psalm singing, some of those reasons are stronger than others. Mm. And I'm going to start with the weak ones to get them out of the way because they're weak. <laughs> yeah. None of them are particularly biblical, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. Like, there's not a lot of, here's in scripture where it says, I think the strongest you could do is like, well, the scriptures have a book in the middle and they were written on paper. (laughs) Um, But I think that's like as biblical as as you can kind of get on this. I might be wrong. Yeah. Um, My favorite reason that you should keep hymn books, and this is one I came up with all by myself, (laughs) is that if you're holding a hymn book, you can't raise your hands in worship. (laughs) Uh, so that's all the argument we need and we can end the episode here. No. I'm kidding. It's a silly reason. And actually I can confirm from personal experience as a closet hand raiser. Well, not actually closet hand raiser, mm-hmm. just a hand raiser. Mm-hmm. That you can still hold your hymn book in one hand and raise your hand with the other. Mm-hmm. So we can get around that. Yeah, man. On a more serious note, um, but not a particularly weighty objection to getting rid of hymn books, is that you then have to use a projector. If you use a projector, you ruin the aesthetic of these lovely church buildings that we have. Ah. Uh. <clears throat> the aesthetic, the aesthetic. You can't hurt the aesthetic. Which is really interesting because the kind of people that argue for that are generally like not people who are into beautiful things. I saw once, there's a nice old church up in Aberdeen and they have, they use projectors and they just, well, projectors, they display the words on a mm-hmm. screen. They have like, like TVs, like around like the... Yeah. space or whatever it's a bit smaller than like a big projector so that everybody 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 could see it but they're kind of got like tv 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 and it's a beautiful building yeah i mean i get it like yeah. can you imagine going to evening even song at like westminster abbey and suddenly this giant white sheet yeah. descends in the rafters yeah. and they start singing like hill song <laughs> though to be fair there is a screen at westminster abbey right i i honestly it's a little one in the corner i'm like if it bothers you just Pull the screen, get pull up one that you can yeah. just un, like roll up. No, no, they give you, they make, well, when we went, they were like, here's the link, like scan this QR code and you could have, have it on your phone, which is so, that's, that's so that's cool. 2023. You just yeah. literally pull up the whole order of service on your phone. It has all the words on it. And it has everything, everything. And when you stand and when you sit and everything. That's really cool. Um, so here you go. These are the answers to this objection. <laughs> also, like one of the articles I read was like, look, look at this church. Look how they've ruined it. And um, actually, the pictures they showed that church had done it really well. Yeah. Um, basically, I, I think this is a legitimate concern for some people. Yeah. And they can get very distressed about it. And so I thought I ought to mention it, but I don't personally care um, because, you know, if if putting screens up is this major insurmountable issue for you, just print it off. Mm-hmm. Get printouts. It's not mm-hmm. a big deal. Yeah. Um, and also, like, 
I've seen old churches that have put stuff like that in, mm-hmm. and there are ways to do it nicely. I mean, that's basically an argument that like you can't you can't ever move with the times. Like the building that we live in Whoa. is a hundred years old, and our furniture is not a hundred years old. Are we only you allowed paint, to paint on the walls? Not hundred years no. old, thankfully. Yeah, it's like it's like oh, it's, you only allowed to keep the era of the building. Like what? It's, no. it's like we were talking about though in our last <clears throat> episode. We sometimes have these preferences and mm-hmm. I, don't get me wrong i love old buildings mm-hmm. i think stained glass yeah. is stunning yeah but we're not there to worship the building no and the church is not i'm going to use a cliche but it's true the church is not the building the church is the people so if your building burned down tomorrow you could still worship god mm-hmm. um but i hope it doesn't i hope it doesn't because that would be tragic but the point being like it's just it does it doesn't matter no um this is a priority preference issue yeah so it is kind of a weak a weak but understandable reason you might want to hang on to your hymn books mm-hmm. um and now we're moving into weightier reasons mm-hmm. you may start to see that there isn't a clear-cut answer to this or i don't think there is but it's a very interesting question um so one reason for keeping hymnals which i think was valid maybe once upon a time is that hymnals can help teach us music okay this argument makes some serious assumptions so i say once upon a time this was valid because i don't actually know any churches that just hand out copies of the music version of their hymn books as standard to the congregation Mm -hmm. Normally, it's like the musicians might have one. Or if there's one person who's like, I just love having the music and it's my thing, then they might get their own copy and sing from yeah. it. And that's fine. Yeah. But generally, what you get is the words only. Um, so there's a significant body of people who believe that hymnals are better than projectors because they can or printouts or whatever, because they can follow along with the music. So they know where this tune is going. Mm-hmm. And if it's new, they can work mm-hmm. it out. Um, and the projector doesn't have that or the printouts don't have that. And there are kind of like two, two strands to this. One is that if your church has enough musically gifted people that can actually read music, or if it's just not going to be a distraction, why can't you print it out? Yeah. Or why can't you put it on a screen? Like, oh yeah, there's no reason you can't. Maybe we should start doing that. Maybe that'd be good for us. I, don't I mean, know. one of our one of the guys who um, we've known for ages, he's like been in choirs for ages, and he could read music and has a lovely voice. He literally brought his own copy of the hymnal, like the one that is for pianists. That has all the yeah. the music in it, and that's what he would open up. Like, yeah. so we would all use like our text only hymnals, mm-hmm. and he would pull open the one that has yeah. the the music. To be fair, when I was growing up, I'm pretty sure the hymnals that were at my grandmother's church were with music. Okay, but they, I don't think I've seen a, a hymnal like that in ages. No, not for no. a long, long time. No. And see, that's the other strand of this is the sad truth that a lot of these people, a lot of people these days were not taught to read music. Mm-hmm. And so even if we had it in front of us, like you wouldn't know what you were looking at. You might as well have it written in Arabic. Like <laughs> the point is moot. Um, most people don't read music anyway. And so if you want it, fine, do it. There's no reason why you have to have a hymn book to do that. Mm. But also... Most people don't read music anyway, so it's not that relevant. 
It's actually not a strong historical argument either. Mm-hmm. So back in Isaac Watts's day, in the earliest days of English hymnody, early days of hymn books, he deliberately didn't include the music in the hymn books. Mm-hmm. What he did was he would put the meter at the top of the hymn, which is something I miss mm-hmm. um, because I don't know that many tunes by heart and I just use what I know yeah. and if I know the meter I can pick a tune and that's yeah. exactly why he did it yeah. he was like most people don't read music it's all good what we'll do is they know a bunch of tunes mm-hmm. and they can look at it and they can go that's common meter I'll just sing that to this tune that I know mm-hmm. and amazing then they can grace. sing whatever they like yes yeah. amazing grace is one of them so he just included the meter and then you fitted it to a tune you knew mm-hmm. it's fine um, because back in the day the tunes were a lot more flexible than they are now. People mm. didn't actually mind as much if you sang stuff to different things. There weren't as many set tunes as we yeah. have now. Um, a related issue is that we should retain hymn books because when we lose our hymnals, we lose our ability to harmonise. Hmm. No. Again, this assumes that, one, you have the music in your hymnal and, two, you can actually read it. Uh-huh. Um, and you might be surprised how many worship leaders today, like worship leaders, people who stand there and leap a singing cannot read music, which is not, it's not a disqualification. I'm not judging them. I'm just saying this is a thing. People don't read music anymore. Yeah. Even the musicians don't read music anymore. Yeah. Um, and harmonies are lovely, but they're not essential. I don't think they're nice. They're nice. They're wonderful. But like, I mean, I, I could tell you from experience as someone who does read music poorly, that when I was um, in the worship team back in California, we hardly ever had sheet music to the songs we sang. The number and, of times my previous pastor yeah. would be like, here's some music. And he would literally hand me a cellist who <laughs> reads music. Yeah. A, a lyric sheet with chords above it and yeah. go, you can play the tune from this. And I was like, lucky for you, I can. <laughs> That's not normal. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, but my my whole thing was that when I was on this team, I was only to sing the harmony. Mm-hmm. I was to sing the alto part. Mm-hmm. So the main singer would sing the like soprano melody, whatever. And then I would harmonize mm-hmm. and I... First of all, wasn't super great at it at first, and it only got to be like medium okay. Mm-hmm. But there was never music; it was always just I had to hear it and yeah. then try to find my way in the middle. What but my harmony was. That's how a lot of people do it. Oh yeah, totally. Like that's how I play my instruments. I learned a. Oh, I can read music. I can read music really well, actually. Mm. But she's pulling faces at <laughs> me for our listeners only. Um, but actually the majority of stuff that I know, a lot of hymns and everything, I know them from hearing them so many times that I can play them. Yeah. I've, there's, there's things I can play. I've never even seen music for mm. anyway. And then like people argue, well, back in the day, people could read music better and more people could read music. And actually that's not true. Hmm. That's not true. So they understood, they didn't read music they understood what's called shape notes. So did you use like the, the do, re, mi thing in choir? Not in choir, but I was familiar with it. Yeah. If, if you've seen The Sound of Music and they sing that song like do, a deer, female deer, mm-hmm. what they're doing is they're assigning a word, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, to each note in a scale. So mm-hmm. do being the first one, and then there's eight notes in a scale. Mm-hmm. 
So when they wrote this down, this was around about the 1800s they started coming up with this. When they wrote the music down, no matter what key it was in, the first the first note of the key would have a specific shape. The second one would have another shape. The third one would have another shape. Mm-hmm. And so the eight different notes were shaped differently. And so you didn't have to be able to look at that and go, mm, that's an E flat and it, sh- it starts on an F natural. Mm-hmm. You just looked at it and you go, oh, that starts on a triangle. I can pitch this mm. and I can work out where it goes from the shapes of the notes. Interesting. So it didn't matter if you were like, I didn't start singing this in C, I'm just singing at my normal pitch. Mm -hmm. You could follow the tune even though you didn't really have the musical knowledge. Mm -hmm. So people didn't read music, actually. They were just musical. They they still did read better than these days, but (laughs) still. Just some random history. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so that's us. (laughs) In, In a related vein. Another argument for keeping hymnals is that people have forgotten how to sing well these days. And I'm not sure how keeping our hymnals changes that. Yeah, I don't see that argument either. I might sort of agree. Well, this comes back to what we were talking about last week about people having singers and their mics turned up high. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the argument is more that because people don't know how to sing we lean towards having one or two people at the front who are mic'd up Mm -hmm. and they lead everyone else. Mm -hmm. And those are the people who can sing and are good at singing. And they're pretty much the only ones you hear. Mm -hmm. Um, If you don't have that, it encouraged your congregation to learn to sing out rather than let someone else do the singing for them. So Mm -hmm. if you keep the hymn books, you don't have the people at the front and then they can't drown everyone else out and your congregation will actually sing. Yeah. Nope. Nope. (laughs) You ever been in one of those congregations where they have their hymn books out and they still won't sing? Yeah. Um, So these are, these are arguments why I think, I think singing has just become a more specialized thing these days. Like it's a hobby. It's a thing you do. You go to mm-hmm. choirs, you, you try out for the voice or X factor or whatever yeah. the hip young trendy thing is now. Mm-hmm. And it used <laughs> to be that singing was like an everyday everybody thing. Mm-hmm. Like workmen might sing as they worked. Men would have a sing song down the pub. Family would gather together around the old upright piano, mm-hmm. bang out some hymn tunes or some like show tunes that they'd, the whatever the latest thing was. Yeah. And it's kind of, yeah, I don't know. I think these days it's much more individualistic. And um, I think worship bands are a symptom of our changing views. They're not the cause. Hmm. If that makes sense. Mm. That's just my tuppence worth. Yeah, that's uh, an interesting way you phrase that. What? Yeah, just that they're a symptom. And I guess the symptom is... That individualistic, hyper, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Hyper, customized, that's not the word I'm looking for. Kind of culture when it comes to music. Um, Wanting it stylized, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Um, And you're like, I know, a band. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... No shade on bands. No, no shade no, on bands. It's not. No it's shade not on shading. having people sing and lead the singing. No, no, that's no. fine. I'm just saying that I don't think stopping using paper hymnals is the reason why mm-hmm. 
we have this issue. The reason why people can't sing, I think, is just that culture has changed. Singing has become a specialized thing, and then that culture has crept into the church. Yep. That's what I think. I understand this argument against having the equivalent of Coldplay lead the singing in your <laughs> services. But do you know what? It assumes that if you don't have a hymnal, then you are one of those big churches with like a band and stage lights and like smoke machines and stuff. But when, aren't you? <laughs> we well, must be, or you're on your way there. I'm just, just a kidding. step in I'm the wrong totally direction. Um, Folks, we're just a little silly today, so don't oh, add I'm us. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but do you know what? Like, a lot of churches are just small churches that have one or two musicians. They sing mm-hmm. congregationally mm-hmm. perfectly well. They just don't use a paper hymnal. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you can see, people get really riled about this, but there's <laughs> not a lot of like good arguments yet. Mm. Now, another interesting point I saw was that a good hymnal will reflect like the calendar of the Christian year. Mm. So it'll have songs for the different events in the Christian year, like Easter, Pentecost, Ascension, Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Harvest, New Year, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Good point, because Mm. you may not know much about the church calendar and seeing those sections could make you more aware. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, but you can still find those things elsewhere. Mm. Um, Although one of the things, do you know what I really appreciate about my paper hymn book is that it has opened up a whole new world of hymns to me. Oh yeah, definitely. I Uh, have not even scratched the surface with the one hymnal we always are talking about on this show. Yeah, it has like 800 hymns in it, and I've definitely not sung all of them. Mm -mm. Um, I wonder how long it would take to do that. If you did like two hymns a day, you could do it in a year. Mm Mm-hmm. But you'd have to do over two hymns a day, right? 800. There's 365. Is it six? No, no, no. In a year. Is it actually 800, though? I thought it was... 900 tops. I think it's... I think it might. We'll check. See what if you want us to do a challenge <laughs> where we basically do like two songs a day or something and <laughs> sing through our entire hymn book, then head over to kofi.com forward slash hymn partial. Yes. And buy us a hymnal. <laughs> not one of the one thousand four hundred no, 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 pound no. ones, but not a ten one, P one. One either. of the ones in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, like like Monet says, we use we use a similar one. Uh I do have a few different hymn books. I mostly use Christian hymns at home. Um, and like any good hymn book, it's set out quite deliberately. Mm-hmm. The way they categorize it, it has like a contents page mm-hmm. with all the different subjects in it. And it starts with the worship of God. Then there's a section for each member of the Trinity, section on scripture, one on the church, the gospel, Christian life, etc. And within these are like these subcategories. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might be like, I want to sing about the resurrection. So you go to gospel, you go to resurrection and boom, you open up. I know that if I go to DuckDuckGo, because I'm that person that doesn't use Google, and <laughs> look up encouraging hymns, that I will easily find a whole host of lists to choose from, mm-hmm. right? But the more you dig, like if you do this, the more you dig, the more you'll find it's the same like 10 to 15 hymns on mm-hmm. all of these lists. Mm-hmm. And they're probably all hymns that you already know if you sing a lot. Yes, or they are complete junk. Yeah. Because it's Google or DuckDuckGo. Yes. And they're just... They're just wishy-washy things that yeah. the old ladies like at the parish church. Or not even. Just like they'll go on pop charts, basically, and, oh, yeah. and pull and those. Like, oh, here's a hymn. Yeah. It's called Reckless Love. You're yeah. Like, uh, You're like, no. Um, but when you, when you use your paper hymn book, there is a benefit because... You turn to the section and you're flipping through it and you inevitably find songs that you wouldn't have found otherwise. Mm -hmm. 
um, songs you haven't sung before, things that you just wouldn't find in the first 10 pages of a Google search. And I know that I found a lot of great hymns that way and I've been so encouraged and challenged by what I've found. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite hymns is actually one I came across by accident when I was looking for something else. So even if you're not looking, you could be singing like hymn 108 in church and the lyrics of 109 catch your eyes being particularly relevant and helpful and you go back to it and you're like, oh, I have a new favorite hymn, yay. Um, I mean, there are ways of finding new hymns anyway. But I'm just saying, like, this is one of the stronger arguments in my mind. Mm. Um, you still haven't gotten to the strongest one yet. And I hope you do get to it. Unless that was your last one. That was not my last okay, one. Good, Don't good, be good. ridiculous. We're only 45 minutes in. I'm not going to spoil <laughs> it. But um, hopefully you get to the best If I don't argument. cover it, then you can just like yeah, me drop that's, it Yeah, I'm end. waiting. I'm waiting till the end. So, yeah. So a good hymnal will surprise you with the things you find. Mm-hmm. So have you ever found that? Or am I just making stuff oh no definitely I mean every day well like I say every day most days when we do our devotionals my husband will read a bit of scripture and then we'll pray and then we'll sing a hymn and what he'll do is he'll go to the scripture index on his hymn hymn Christian hymns app love scripture index yeah and then he'll just be like oh we've not sung this one before let's go and because it has the music we download the the piano version and we press play and then we just learn it right then and there, like as if it was a Sunday morning and we never heard this hymn before. We, we do this too, because yeah. um, turns out I'm not an encyclopedia of hymns. <laughs> 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 I, I love my husband for having that confidence in me, but sometimes I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what you should say. <laughs> and so we use the, um, the scripture index. We're like, okay, well, we were reading isaiah 53 this morning yeah go to the thing be like oh hey mm-hmm. we know this song or we don't know this song but we like the words and it's relevant mm-hmm. and then we'll sing it um yeah so there there is benefit to to doing that definitely uh talking to the ways the hymn books are laid out there are two particularly strong reasons not to throw out your hymnals yet these are the strong ones they're the last mm. ones okay i'm not saying they're super strong i'm just saying they're the strong the strongest um, the first is that your hymnal is a theological textbook, whether you like it or not. So a fella called Massey H. Shepherd, who was a liturgical scholar, because apparently that's the thing, said, in all periods of the church's history, the theology of the people has been chiefly molded by their hymns. Yep. And we've said things along these lines before. Chiefly molded, like primarily molded by hymns. I'm not sure that I would agree I don't know that I'd use language that strong, but I agree that it's it's a huge influence. It is. It'd be like saying that your... I thought I was going to come up with a cool example right away, but nothing nothing's bringing to mind. It's like saying that you are um, chiefly driven in marriage by the happiness of your spouse. It's probably not true but it's a huge contributing factor yeah. like the happiness of your spouse and you know factors like, into that yeah i know people don't like that there are people out there who are like oh, they're just they're songs they shouldn't be such an influence who knows whether they should or shouldn't they are they are you know you've got like old mabel in your congregation who may not be able to read like the closely set typeface of burkhoff's <laughs> systematic theology but she's got a large print hymnal she yeah. can warble when i survey the wondrous cross <laughs> you know you got wee bobby whose favorite book is like where oh where is kipper's bear and he can sing the doxology from heart and he knows the choruses and songs like i don't know on christ's solid rock i stand mm-hmm um, 
or like you could have a busy mum who's like so busy trying to look after kids and keep the house that she doesn't have time to work through a complete set of the works of John Owen, mm-hmm. but she can still sing around the house and with her kids. Mm-hmm. And that's the reality. Mm-hmm. And so your hymn book should be a really solid base of theology. It should be well-rounded. And I talked about the general contents of Christian hymns, and I'm sure it lacks some things. In fact, I know it lacks some things because we were looking up the number of hymns on certain subjects. Mm-hmm. It wasn't great. Mm-hmm. But one of the reasons why I value it is that it covers a broad range of important doctrine. And like, granted, yep. some of the songs are better than others. That's just par for the course. But on the whole, the hymns are good quality and more than cover the fundamentals of the faith. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a strong reason for having specifically a hymn book because when you have printouts or when you have a projector, it's there and it's gone again. Mm-hmm. And it's it's harder to reference stuff you've sung because oh, yeah. you don't have it there in a hard copy. You have to go and look it up. You have to, the number of times I've been like, oh, I really like that song. And then by the end of the the service, I've been like, what was it? yeah yeah um it's just just harder so yeah and and the songs also come from a range of time periods which i think is just as important if it's a good hymnal if it's a good hymnal um it's also like it's a good reason to update your hymnal from time to time you don't have to use them until they wear out you can replace them and update them because Mm -hmm. new stuff's being written all the time and some of it is good um yeah, and and to be fair, there are some eras that were much richer for hymn writers mm-hmm. and some that were pretty rubbish for hymn mm-hmm. writers. So it's not going to be like exactly the same number from every every era. But I think I just came up with a really good business idea mm-hmm. where churches trade like they have like a like a subscription service to hymnals. Like they spend like five years with one hymnal and then they turn it back in and that hymnal gets recycled at another church and then they get a new set. It's our idea. You can't have it. <laughs> Dibs. I'll cut this out so you guys can't steal it. <laughs> Actually, do you know that would be really useful to a lot of people? There are people who subscribe to things like there's a hymn book called Praise mm-hmm. and they have a lot of digital resources and so mm-hmm. they do update it. Is that the Getty one? No. No, that's Sing, isn't it? Oh, they're all the there same. There's so many and they have so many similar <laughs> names. Uh, anyway, point being, like, it's easier to do digitally. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why that's good and why it's bad. Mm. Which feeds into my second big point, which is that someone somewhere took the time to go through this mass of 2,000 years of material and carefully curate and collate the best and most enduring hymns from across history, if it's a good hymn book. So, there, like we say, there's good new stuff being written all the time, and that's a good reason to update your hymn books regularly. Subscribe to Monet's... Him switch <laughs> sub subscription box thing. Name TBC. Yeah, we'll decide mm-hmm. on a cool name for it. Um, but it is a good reason not to just use your hymn books till they fall apart, but to update them from time to time. Mm-hmm. But the benefit of having like this long, slow process of creating a hymnal means that much more time and thought goes into it. It's much easier to kind of just throw things up on the screen or print it off on a piece of paper and have this constant stream of like new maybe new chronologically like it came out last week maybe new like oh i've never sung this before let's just add it Mm -hmm. um but not lasting material yeah 
And I have nothing against new things. I know Monet teases me about being like <laughs> cranky about people adding courses to stuff, but I- I'm fine with new things. Yeah. And some songs are just written for their time and that's okay. And we can sing them and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much rubbish out there that there's value in being able to say at your congregation that this is the the foundation. This is like the basis, the core thing that we draw from Mm -hmm. and you can vouch for this like as a pastor as a worship leader whatever you can vouch for the soundness of the theology the quality of the writing like this is the core of what we draw from because this is good stuff and lasting stuff yeah um because like even if you pull your powerpoints or your print-offs from a specific hymn book of your choice and then supplement it with newer stuff that you've gone through and you've like vetted yourself and you know fits your theology, will edify the body, is singable, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Having this kind of core body of work helps your congregation because it it helps them know what's trusted material and where to start. Mm-hmm. And the time and effort and money that goes into creating a hymnal should encourage us to pick up songs that have either stood the test of time or are strong enough to go on and stand the test of time if it's newer which randomly reminds me of like another good reason to use him but <laughs> i promise i'm like coming to the end here <laughs> there is a huge benefit to seeing the whole hymn laid out in one place like all the lyrics of the yeah, hymn yeah yeah oh yeah so like it can help you see the flow of the argument and the development of like a theme or an image mm-hmm. um and i think there's something good about being able to see that progression as you as you go whereas like when it's just a single verse at a time you lose some of that it's fixable though props to martin de groot youtube channel i love his youtube channel because he has recordings of these hymns and he puts the lyrics up on the screen but unlike a lot of youtube channels he doesn't do it one verse at a time he puts as much as the song on the slide as he can so you can see the whole thing which i really like i didn't even think about that but that that actually is a good point because i know sometimes you get to a a bit of the the hymn and you're like huh and you want to look back on the first verse. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know, maybe I'm the only one that does this, but you'll be singing it. And obviously you're singing it, singing it at a slower pace than you read. And then you could like be finishing that line. Da, 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 and then you want to look up at verse one mm-hmm. and be like, oh, wow. Yeah. You know, and like take it all in. Yes. It's like you reading it a second time because yeah. of the progression of the hymn. Yeah. I feel like you just kind of pick up a lot more. You, you follow the progression a lot more because a good hymn will develop a theme or tell a story or you know have it's going somewhere it's not just like a random mishmash of stuff it's Mm -hmm. there's there's a point to it Mm -hmm. um and i think being able to see that laid out can be helpful yeah most definitely um but again there's no reason why you can't do that on a printout or on a screen or something Anyway, so as you can hear, like there are a whole host of reasons why you could argue that having a pro- proper paper, proper, a paper hymnal <laughs> in your church is a good idea. Yeah. But also, hopefully you can hear that there's, um, there's no real biblical argument that I've come across yet. I could be wrong. Feel free to comment. <laughs> why a paper copy is better than digital. Like I've mentioned before that I use the Christian hymns app though I have a paper copy mm-hmm. of the older version that I still use and I think something like that is well worth encouraging your congregation to use as well 
Yeah. Especially like in their own devotions, if they prefer it to paper, that's fine. Absolutely. This isn't a question of paper versus digital or aesthetics or uh, young people being so distractible that they have to have screens all the time. Um, and as I researched this episode, there are a few things that came to mind around this whole issue, which Monet kind of got got to at the beginning. And I was like, no, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> One is that Christians are very good at making their preferences the law. Mm. Um, and if you read the comments section of some of these discussions on this issue, you will see that very strongly. Yeah. And I, I don't think the aesthetics of your sanctuary or church or whatever you want to call it is important. I think, and I think it's unfair to assume that everyone can or even should be able to read music. Mm. But at the center of this issue lies this question, like what are we teaching people and how are we encouraging them to learn and think these things through for themselves? Yeah. And that really is the heart of the issue. Yeah. How do we make people think things through? How do we teach them truth? How do we get that truth to stick with them? And from what I can see, like the central two points are the concern to safeguard our theology and then that we help people actually internalize what they believe mm-hmm. and take it with them. And the heart behind keeping a paper hymnal or having a core one that we, we pull from um, is the recognition that like we learn from song and we want to make sure that we're learning good and right and true things by our faith. Yeah. And we don't want to be chasing every other new and shiny thing that comes along, though some new shiny things are shiny because they're actual real treasure. Yeah. Um, but we do want to appreciate the wisdom of 2,000 years of believers who have gone before us. We want to have the discernment to recognize the real quality when we look at the, new, the multitude of new things that's being produced as well. And most importantly, we want to make sure that we are learning lasting truths that will help throughout our Christian lives, truths that will give us strength through trials and give us words to express our joys as well. So originally I considered giving some tips on how to choose a hymnal at the end here. Let's be honest, if you understand the heart of this discussion, those things I just said about what matters and why, then I don't think you need any tips. You're going to be okay. Amen, girlfriend. Amen. And I think you did actually hit the most important reason and you hit it really hard and really well, which is safeguarding that theology and yeah. and, try, and having that. It's a safety for a lot of churches to say, we trust the person who's curated this hymnal and we want to kind of just stick with what they've what they've yeah. set aside. And, like, there's there's no reason why you can't branch out. You no. know, if someone brings out a hymn and you're like, oh man, we're still going to be singing that in 100 years. It's fantastic. Yeah. Add it. It's fine. Sing it. It's good. I have to say, I'm pro-hymnal. I don't care if it's digital or not. You mm-hmm. you know, I think I'm pro-hymnal in that. What? Even if it's your own church's hymnal that you guys spend time curating and sitting there and, and well, I, you know. I think... A lot of the argument misses that point. Yeah. A lot of the argument is just about like paper versus PowerPoint. And really it's more nuanced than that. And to be honest, I really like the Christian hymns app because I can search by word, Mm -hmm. which I can't do on paper. Mm -hmm. I can just type a word in. So I'll be like, oh, we were reading about God's judgment. Let's just type in judgment. Yeah. Judge judge, or something and just see what comes up and and find some new hymns. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Good stuff. Good stuff. Lots of fun anecdotes to talk about. Um, Maybe we'll get to them in the bonus. I'm not sure. But in any case, 
Um, we want to hear your thoughts on the whole hymnal discussion. Does your church use a hymnal? Um, if they do, which one? If they don't, do you think you're missing out? What's what's your opinion? Let us know in the comments. Um, but I think it's an interesting conversation because like Cara said, it's 2023. We're all digital. So maybe there's an argument for some sort of hybrid hybrid word, hybrid world where we're um, referencing a hymnal, but branching out where we need to be. But great discussion. Lots of things to chew on. We really do want to hear from you. Send us a message. Let us know what you think. Um, or but, tell us what hymnal you use, because there are a lot out there. Like, go to the Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. list of English hymnals. Woof. <laughs> Woof, indeed. Or maybe, I was going to count them. Maybe you like, speak nah. another language. Maybe <laughs> English isn't the hymnal language that you use. So tell us what, what fun um, different foreign languages you uh, sing from. Um, but in any case, go to himpartial.com right now. Sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Make sure you give us, buy us a cup of coffee today so that we can afford the next episode. Oh, can we make it to the next episode? I'm not even I don't sure. I know. You're going to find out you're, next Monday. <laughs> yes, you're going to find out. Um, it'll be a horrible surprise. But in any case, go to impartial.com, support us there. Like this video, share this video uh, with a friend. And until next time, we pray that the Lord would bless you and keep you. Bye. Bye.